Vienna. Strange and unusual stories from history, literature, myths, and legends. The Story of the Donkey and the Rock, a black tent story. Between iron and brass, there is union if the welding is skillful. Tibetan proverb. A very long time ago, somewhere in that faraway land of Tibet, away up so high that it seems a little nearer the sky than any other land, in one corner was a country governed by a very just man. He was noted in all parts of the dominion for his fair judgment in all cases. In the city where this good king lived and had his home dwelt two poor men. Both were very good, did the very best they could every day, and each had an old mother to support. One day, one of the men started to a village high up in the mountains, carrying a jar of oil, selling it as he went. Walking along, he grew very tired and set his jar of oil on a rock by the roadside while he sat down to rest a while. As he sat there, his neighbor came down the mountain, driving his donkey in front of him. There were two big loads of wood stacked one on each side of the little donkey, which almost covered him. He didn't happen to see the jar, so came too near and knocked it off, breaking it and spilling all the oil. The man who owned the oil was very angry indeed, and the man who owned the donkey said it wasn't he who had done the damage, but the donkey. So they quarreled and quarreled and kept on quarreling. The man who owned the oil said he couldn't afford to lose it, as it was all he had in the world to sell for food for his mother and himself, and it couldn't have been his fault the jar was broken. They both went to the king, who questioned them very carefully about the matter, and finally said he couldn't see that either one was to blame. They were both good men, took good care of their old mothers, and were honest in all their dealings, and so far as he could see, no one was at fault but the donkey and the rock, and he would judge them. So the little donkey was chained with chains around his legs and around his neck and led into prison, while five of the king's men were sent out for the rock. As soon as they brought it in, he ordered it wrapped with change and tied outside the prison door to a post. By this time, the news of this strange case and the queer doings of the king had spread throughout the city. When the people heard their great king was having a trial about a donkey and a rock, they thought he had surely gone mad. The next morning the king announced by his runners throughout the city that the case would be tried. The idea that a donkey and a rock could have a trial in court was more than the people could understand. But early next day, everybody in the city was at the courtyard to see the result of the trial. When the time arrived, the judge came, took his seat, instructed the doorkeepers to shut and lock all the gates, thus locking in everybody and then proceeded to pronounce his judgment on the case. As you very well know, there is no law by which a donkey and a rock can be judged. Why have you all come to see so absurd a thing? Now, because of your curiosity in the matter, every one of you shall pay a half cent before he gets out. The people, looking much ashamed and glad to get out, handed over this bit of money and slipped through the gate. The cash taken in this way was given to the man who had lost his oil, 
So he was happy. The debt was paid, and the court closed. Golden Squash, a black tent story. The shepherd will protect his flock of sheep and without power can save a hundred lives. Tibetan proverb. One time, in a corner of the world high up among the mountains, there lived two old men who were very good friends. Each had a small garden patch One was a good old man naturally, that is, he didn't have to try very hard to be good, for his heart was pure. He loved all animals and birds, and was very happy in his little garden. But the other old man wanted very much to be wealthy. One day, the first old man found in his garden a little crippled bird. He took it and cared for it, felt sorry for it, healed it, and fed it every day. Then he was able to fly away, and the old man let him go. He soon returned bearing a seed in his mouth, which he gave to the old man, saying, You plant this seed. It's a very fine squash seed, the very finest in the world, and be sure you tend it well. So the old man planted it and watered it, and at last there grew on the vine just one squash. But it was monstrous big. When cold weather came and it was fully ripe, the old man tried to pull it and take it into the house, but he couldn't carry it and had to call five men to help him get it in. By and by, he wanted to eat some and peeled off the outer skin, which was very thin like paper. And when he cleaned it, he found it to be solid gold. Now he was very rich, but he made good use of his money and gave it to the poor and aided all who were needy. His old neighbor came over one day and asked him where he got the seed for that squash, and he told him the story of the little bird. The old man went home very envious and thought he would think up a plan so that he would be rich too. He got his bow and arrow and slipped out into the garden and waited until he saw a little bird light on a tree. Then he deliberately shot, breaking its leg. Picking it up carefully, he pretended to be grieved over its hurt and tended the little thing until it was finally well and able to fly away. One day, sure enough, the bird flew back, bringing a seed which he told the man how to plant and care for, because it was very wonderful indeed. It sprouted and grew and grew until finally, when winter came, he had to have five or six men help him carry his squash into the house. He was very much delighted, for he thought, Now I shall be rich too. (laughs) He could hardly wait until he could get his knife and cut the skin, but he had no more broken it when it popped wide open and out jumped a fierce old man who said he was sent by the king of the lower regions to weigh him. He grabbed him by the back of the neck and set him on the scale, which he carried and he said, You are far too light and no use at all. And at once took him out and cut off his head. 
So much for the sin of greed. Wise Carpenter For man there is no hope except to find happiness in the worship of the gods. Tibetan Proverb Once upon a time in the city which was called Snalong lived a king whose name was Gendong. This king died and his son, Genchog, ruled in his stead. Among the people under him were two men, one a painter who did exceedingly fine work the other a carpenter, who was also of the best, and these two men were enemies. One day the painter came up to the new king and said, Last night, as I was ready to go to sleep, your father sent an angel out of heaven to call me, and I went to heaven with him to see what your father wanted, and found him rich beyond belief. He gave me a letter to bring to you, and here it is. This letter is about that fine carpenter that dwells here in the city. The king opened the letter and read, My son, I am here in heaven, very wealthy, and I have all that I want except one thing, and that is I wish to build a temple to the gods. But there are no good carpenters here, and I want you to send me up the best one in the city. The painter who brings this to you knows all that I mean, for he has been here, and I'm sending the letter by him. So the king, Jenchong, said, This must be my father's letter, for it is like him to want to build a temple to the gods, and I must see to his wishes at once. So he called the carpenter before him, and told him, My father is in the dwelling of the gods, is very happy, but wants to build a temple and asked me to send you up to help him. The carpenter thought it queer that such a thing could occur and said to himself, It must be a scheme of that painter to get rid of me. I must think of some plan to get ahead of him. Then he said, So be it, but how am I to get there? Then the king called the painter and asked him how he was to send the carpenter to his father. The painter said, This is the way. He is to bring all his tools that he will need up there, put them on a pile on the ground, sit on them, then wood must be piled around him and set on fire. As the smoke goes up, he can ride on it to heaven. Well, that's all right, said the carpenter, but I want to start for my own field. The king gave him seven days to get ready. The carpenter went back home to his wife and said, that painter has fixed a scheme to kill me and I have only seven days to wait to be burned up, so we must work, for I want a tunnel dug from my house out to the field where the burning is to take place. They got it done and put a few sticks over the opening where he could pile his tools and sit on them. The king, as soon as the seven days were up, ordered his people to bring several loads of wood, each to carry a load and a bowl of oil. So the wood was piled four square around the carpenter, the oil poured on and set on fire. 
While the fire was big, the carpenter slipped down into the tunnel. The painter exclaimed, Look, there he goes, riding the smoke to heaven. They all took it for the truth and went home. Now the carpenter had a dark, secret room in his house, and in there he stayed, washing himself every day and having some clothes made like the gods wear. At the end of three months, putting on these garments and with skin as white as lily, he came out of his house and went to see the king, bearing a letter to him from his father. Thus read the letter. My dear son, Gengjog, it is said that you are a good ruler and rule your people wisely and well. Some three months ago, you sent me a carpenter to build a temple, and he has finished it beautifully. And I want you to see that he has his reward on earth when he comes back. Now that the temple is done, I want the best painter that you have in the kingdom to come and paint it for me. The same plan that you choose in sending the carpenter will do very well for sending the painter. The carpenter told him how rich his father was and of his adventures in the sky. The king gave him great riches, making him happy for life. And after reading the letter, the king sent for the painter and said, The carpenter has just come down from heaven and has brought a letter asking you to come and paint the temple for my father. The painter, looking at the carpenter, with his skin so white, dressed in such strange clothes, with strings of coral around his neck, while he was still in his old clothes, thought perhaps that it was all right to go to heaven that way, and half believed that the carpenter had really been there. So he got all of his things together, as he had been given seven days to prepare. The wood and oil had been brought with some things which the king wished to send to his father. When all was ready, the carpenter said that they must make music for him as he ascended. So they got drums, horns, and cymbals, and as the fire started, began to beat loudly and made a great noise. As soon as the fire reached the painter, he yelled that he was being burned up, but the noise was so great he couldn't be heard. So he really did go to heaven. How the Wolf, the Fox, and the Rabbit Committed a Crime When an evil man gets mad at his enemy, he beats his horse on the head. Tibetan Proverb Once upon a time, a wolf, a fox, and a rabbit were walking along the road together when they met a wizard carrying a pack on his back. The rabbit said to the rest of them, I'll go limping along in front of this fellow and he will put his load down and try to catch me, and you two slip around behind him, and when he puts his things down, you get them. Sure enough, the man put his pack down, picked up some rocks, and started after the rabbit in hot haste, while the wolf and the fox got his load and ran off with it. 
he came back pretty soon when he found he couldn't catch the rabbit and found his things were all gone. In great grief, he started down the road, wondering what he would do and how he was going to live. Meanwhile, the wolf, the fox, and the rabbit met in a chosen place and opened the pack to see what was in it. There were a pair of Tibetan boots with many layers in the soles, which made them very heavy. A symbol with a tongue or clapper, an idol of samba and some bread. The rabbit acted as divider and said to the wolf, You have to walk a lot, so you take the heavy boots. And the wolf took the boots. To the fox he said, You have a lot of children. You take the bell for them to play with, and I'll take the food. The wolf put on the boots and started out to hunt a sheep. The boots were so heavy he fell on the ice and couldn't get up, and the shepherd found him and killed him. The fox took the bell and went to his children ringing it, da-ling, 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 and thought it would please them, but instead it scared them all to death. So the rabbit ate up the idol of Samba and all the bread and got the best of that bargain. The Story of the Man with the Goiter A man without wickedness needs no punishment. Without an axe, no tree can be cut down. Tibetan proverb. A long time ago, in a lonely country among the mountains, there lived a man with a big goiter on his neck, and he owned a cow. One day the cow wandered away. The man went out to find her, but had to go so far from home that he could not get back that night. Looking around, he found two caves, one big one and one little one, and decided to spend the night in the little one. As he went in and sat down cross-legged on the ground, he began talking the affair over with himself, saying, My cow is lost and I cannot find her, and I have nothing to eat. I am far away from home and can't get back, and I have to stay out here, and I am very much afraid. Now, the big cave was the place where all the ghosts met, but in the small cave only one ghost had his home. This ghost went over to the big cave to the assembly of ghosts and told them there was a man in his cave. They told him to go back and bring him over to them and they would eat him. But he pleaded with them and said, Please don't kill the man, for I am his landlord, and it wouldn't be good for me if you did so. He told them, too, that the man had a big goiter on his throat. Then they said to him, Go and cut that goiter off his neck and bring it over here and we will eat that. All right, that will do, he said, and slipped back into his own cave. He cut the goiter off and took it to them, but when they saw it, they said it was too big and wasn't fit to eat, and they left it in the cave. When the man wakened in the morning, he had no goiter and was pleased as could be. He soon found his cow and started down the mountain. When he got home without his goiter, another man who had one came and asked him how he got rid of his. He told all of his adventures and the mysterious disappearance of the thing. The other man thought he would do the same and get rid of his. He drove his cow up on the mountain and then went to find her. 
hid in a cave and talked to himself about the cow that was lost, saying that he could not find her and that he would have to stay there all night. The ghosts assembled again in the big cave, and the one who dwelt in the small cave told them that he had a guest, and they, of course, wanted to eat him. But he begged them not to, saying that he would cut off the goiter and bring that over. Both who wants to eat goiter? We have already got one we don't like. Take that and stick it on the back of his neck. When the man wakened in the morning, he thought something nice had happened to him. But when he felt his neck, there was his goiter just the same. Then the back of his neck felt queer, and he put his hand there and found another one. Then he was very angry and took his cow and went home and never came out again where people could see him. All stories in this episode are from Albert Leroy Shelton's 1925 book, Tibetan Folktales. All music and music and audio production by Bob Familiar. Narration by Bob Familiar and Jim Bilbro. This has been Ambient Arcana. Ambient Arcana.